One thing I wanted to mention, I, so we don't have any, any new folks here today, so these are, you guys are, are here pretty regularly. just wanted to explain something again, because I know this question comes up occasionally, which is, why do I have to fill one of these out every week? Well, the reason why is that if every one of you is filling these out, it encourages someone who is new to fill it out as well which means that we then collect their information, which we may not otherwise get, so we can then send them an email and follow up with them and, and so forth. So it's really a modeling thing. You know, we're, we're modeling the behavior that we want somebody who's just coming in uh, to do. So that's why we ask you to do it. We, we, we get these very cheaply, so it's not a really a cost issue for us. And so just understand that's kind of why we're doing this, um, if you were wondering. And there was something else that occurred to me when Mary was speaking uh, about the name of Jesus. Bill Johnson, one of my favorite Bill Johnson quotes, is that he says, G the name of Jesus is perfect theology. You don't need anything more than that. And that's perfect theology. So, all right. Well, we're going to try to get through the message from last week today. Uh, <laughs> so prophetic protocol. Um, is this a little too... I'm sensing a little right on the edge of feeding back. So if you want to can adjust that a little bit, that would be great. Um, so protocol might sort of initially give you a sense that, uh, of rules and guidelines, which is what it is. But before I, I sort of get into that, I, I want to just say, stay right at the very outset, that I am a huge fan of prophecy in the church. And... Um, I'm totally in favor of it. And, and in fact, I hope this church becomes wildly prophetic. Would you agree with me? Yes. All right, well, I just set a trap and you all fell in it. <laughs> it was sort of sneaky, though, because I encouraged you to fall in it. What was wrong with that statement that I just made, if you really think about it? There you go. Keyword wildly, that's exactly the opposite of the way we want prophecy to operate, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, prophecy is supposed to be orderly. That's the whole reason, or I shouldn't say the whole reason, but that's one of the reasons that Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. Their worship services had gotten kind of, in Steve Martin's world, wild and crazy. Um, and he was saying, well, that's kind of not the way we should be doing it. And so he offered um, some correction there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. Okay. And the first thing I want to talk about is kind of the mandate of prophecy. And that's the fact that we are essentially told that prophecy should be a part of our worship service. 
Okay? So let's see what Paul says. He says, and I don't know what's going on with our screens, why we have, vib why we have pulsing, but we'll have to figure that out later. So, um, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may, what? Prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Okay, so pretty clear from that, that Paul is telling us that, our, that, that prophecy is a mandate. But he's saying that that should be part of what happens when we get together and worship. Okay, so if that's the mandate, then what does he say? What's the purpose? Why do we do that? Why is he saying that that's important? For us to have? Well, I think the, the answer is in verse uh, 12, which I don't, I don't, maybe I do. Do I have verse 12? I do. Shazam. Um, so verse 12 of that same chapter, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So that's the purpose of prophecy. It's to build up the church. And who's the church? Say again. You are. All of us are. We are the church, right? And so it's not to increase the size of the building or the strength of the walls. It's to build up collectively those of us who are all part of the church. So that's the reason we do it. What should be the content of prophecy? Well, I think verse 3, if we were to go back, you would see that. Okay, verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Okay, so that's supposed to be the content of prophecy. Right there. We are to, to upbuild people, to build them up, um, to encourage them, or to console them. What, it, what, what, <laughs> what is prophecy not supposed to be? Well, it's not supposed to be wild, that's true, but it's also not supposed to be condemning, negative, negative right? It's this, we're not, you know, this is no longer the age of Jeremiah coming out and, and telling, you know, everybody that, that we're going into 70 years of captivity, right? There was a time for that, but what Paul is telling us that now, for the purposes of the church, in the service, prophecy should be to build up people, to encourage them, to console them, if they're down, that's why we do it. What's the place of prophecy? Well, the place of prophecy is in the church. Uh, if we go to... Let's see, here we go. This is 1 Corinthians a little bit further in chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things done for building up. 
If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. So see here he's getting into this, the orderliness of this. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Okay, so, so that's why we're not wild. <laughs> wild and crazy. What's interesting to me in this is right off the bat, what this says, it says, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. What's that saying? It does say that, but I think it says something else, too. There you go. Thank you, Don. You should come to church prepared to worship. Right? I think that's a step that a lot of us overlook. You know, we're running to church at the last minute because we had other things on our mind and this and that. We're not taking the time to prepare ourselves to be here. And if we were to take that time, and if we were to spend time in silence, which again, none of us really like to do, or it's hard for many of us to do, and actually listen to see what God may be, may be saying to us or telling us, then you are much more equipped to come here. Your heart is ready, right? So I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons, you know, from this. But the other is just simply the fact that Paul places the, 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 um, the occurrence of prophecy in the church. Now, that's not the only place it occurs, right? It can, it can be other places as well, but his, we're specifically talking about um, Sunday morning. All right. Well, what's the source of prophecy? And I think what's important about this is that we have to remember that the source of prophecy is always a combination of something that God is saying and something that man is saying. All right? Um, And that's why it's so important and why Paul mentions the idea of weighing what is said. See, as I demonstrated at the very beginning of the message, just because something sounds godly doesn't mean it is. Right? So that's why you have to weigh what is being said to you. Now, if someone has a very strong prophetic gifting, as you can sort of see by this little diagram, if if it's a strong gifting, then there's going to be more of God's words and less of man's words involved in the prophecy. Okay, if someone is, has just an average prophetic gifting, it's going to be about 50-50. If someone has a weak prophetic gifting, then that means that there's more man in it than there is God. Now, don't hear me wrong in saying there's nothing wrong with any of these, right? If we're trying to prophesy and we get 10% of it right, I say, great. 
That's wonderful. If, if 10% of the people that we prayed for got healed, we would be rejoicing. Yeah? Yeah? So there's nothing wrong with 10% of the prophetic being right, because as we continue to press into that and desire more of that gift, then that ratio is going to shift. But I, I bring this up simply so that we understand that when we receive prophecy, you can't just go running straight you know, in, in, in without taking the time to sort of weigh that and to let God speak to you about that and to let him bring clarity and perhaps correction into that. Okay? All right. So with that said, let's, I want to start to talk a little bit. We're just going to leave that one up. I want to talk about um, some guidelines that we want to follow here within this family of believers for not only giving prophetic words, but for receiving them as well, because I think that's important too. Uh, and I think the first thing is that we have to understand that our demeanor should be naturally supernatural, and that's a vineyard term that we use a lot. And the whole idea behind being naturally supernatural is just simply that we don't, um, we don't have to do a whole lot to, for the Holy Spirit to work through us. Right? We don't have to speak louder than normal. We don't have to wave our arms or jump up and down or in, in some way try to manufacture spiritual power. It doesn't work. Right? If we are just who we are naturally, God then flows through us because God lives in us. And so that, the whole idea is that, you know, this idea of being naturally supernatural. Um, the other thing is that, that whatever, whenever we're prophesying to someone or speaking to someone, love has got to be at the center of it, right? It's got to be at the center of all that we do in the name of Jesus. It's not an accident that in between chapters 12 and 14 in 1 Corinthians, you find chapter 13. And a lot of folks misunderstand that because... They look at this, you know, the famous love chapter that we always hear at weddings, right? Which isn't really, is kind of, that's not why Paul wrote it at all. Um, it's positioned there because as he's talking about spiritual gifts and their operation in the church, the centerpiece of that, if you want to think of it, has got to be love. Because if we can do all these things, if we have all these wonderful spiritual gifts, but we do not exercise them in love, Paul says they're worthless. They're worth nothing. And so love has got to be there um, anytime we minister. And this doesn't just apply to prophecy. It's really anything. You know, if you don't love the person you're praying for, then you probably shouldn't be praying for them. Okay? All right. When we offer a word to somebody... We offer the word as an invitation, not as a guarantee. All right, this is, this is a pet peeve of mine because I, the one thing I do not want folks to hear from anyone here is this idea of, thus saith the Lord. Because you, you, you are taking on the, the authority of God. What happens in that instance is you give somebody no room whatsoever to disagree with what's being said. There's room to disagree, 
There should be, right? Because we just said that any word of prophecy is a combination of man and God. Which means that most of the time, you know, the prophecy is going to have some element of whoever is delivering it in it, which has the potential for being wrong. And so what I mean by an invitation, offering a word of prophecy with an invitation, would be something like, well, this is what I think the Lord is saying to you. Right? We don't have the assurance that it's God speaking, and so we offer it to somebody as an invitation to accept it or to pray about it and maybe potentially discard it. Right? So there's not that, doesn't, we don't put that authoritative, you know, this is God's word, absolutely for sure, 100%. This one is, is some, something that I've, I've grown a lot more passionate about. We're not going to give any sort of prophecy or words in any domestic area for a person. So in other words, marriages, babies, changing jobs, moving, all of that is off the table. We're not going to get into that. And the reason for it is that the potential for harm far outweighs the potential for benefit. Now, I will say this. These are guidelines, right? These are not absolutes. And if you feel like you are getting a word for somebody that involves one of those areas, what I would tell you to do is, well, let's just let's use an example. Let's say Rosie is getting a word for Ray about some, some personal issue, whatever it might be. Okay, well, I've kind of said that she shouldn't, just go to Ray and say that, because that's one of our guidelines. But if she comes to me and she says, Jeff, I've got this real sense that, th or she could go to John or Andre, go to Chip, and just say, this is what I believe the Lord is saying. Let us help you discern whether or not we can deliver that. Now, the reason I'm so passionate is that we have had at least, that I'm aware of, two instances where words in this area have, have seriously hurt people. And I, I feel terrible about that. But very well-meaning people have given some folks words that ultimately, I think, have damaged them spiritually in some way. And I don't want that to happen. And there's no reason it should happen. Um, so if you're getting a word like that, please share it with one of us so that we can kind of help walk through that. Uh, because we may know more about a person's situation than you do. And, and that may mean we can affirm what you're saying, or it may mean that we're going to have to say, I think you should hold on to that for now, right? And the thing is, about these words that have hurt people, I can't tell you that the words they gave, that they received were wrong. I don't know that. But see, there's a timing dimension to prophecy. And, and sometimes people, when they receive something like that, they believe it to be a right now thing. And if it doesn't happen within the next five minutes, you know, then, then they sp start spinning off, you know, and, and get all confused and, and so forth. Um, I did hear <laughs> one story about, um, in another church, a man got a word from somebody in that church that he was going to marry this one particular woman. Now, it just so happened that the woman could not stand him. <laughs> he was hung up, and I don't know, he may, 
for years because he clung to that word that that's what was going to happen. He did not use any discernment on his part, right? That's what I mean about taking it to God and checking it and so forth. But see how that can cause damage to somebody? And so we just really want to avoid that. Um, Another guideline is we do not redirect the roles of people in the church. So in other words, you would not go uh, to Andre and say, Andre, I, I, I'm hearing God say that you are supposed to be the senior pastor of this church. <laughs> right? That's, we're not going to do that. Right? Maybe that's what you're hearing. I don't know. But that has the potential to cause just as many problems as, uh, as these personal issues that we have with somebody. This is the big no-no. We do not give public correction to anybody. That is to be a private, privately dealt with. And if anybody ever comes up here and publicly corrects someone using prophecy as the vehicle, that's the last time you will ever stand up here again, I promise you. And I don't mean to sound heavy-handed, but we're just not going to stand for that. That is, that's just not, we, this is not the place for that. Okay. Uh, we're not going to engage in flattery, flattery and manipulation when we prophesy. Right? You're not going to start coming up to me and giving me all kinds of words about how wonderful I am just as a means of getting closer to me. Not that any of you would do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, we're not going to make any assumptions about timing, and this is what I was talking about a little while ago. Prophecy and timing is a very complex thing. And, I mean, prophetic words can be true now, and they can also be true in the future. Or they may be only true in the future. Um, and so the one thing that, that we can never do as someone who is giving a word is to then make an assumption about when that word is going to come to pass. That's where a person is going to have to receive the word and then get before God and say, all right, Lord, this is what you know, I heard. You need to tell me more about this. You know, is this something that uh, is, is a soon? And, and you know, when you start to look at the words in Scripture, you know, soon is a word that is just loaded with meaning. And it doesn't mean the way we think of soon necessarily. Remember? You know, what does scripture say that, um, I'm going to get this wrong, I know, but it's like 10,000 years is like a second to God, sort of that idea. Um, and so when God says that something is going to happen soon or in the near future, there's no way to know what that really means. And so that's where a person has got to sort of take that before the Lord and go, okay, well, Lord, what does this mean? So as, a, as, a, as the giver of the word, we're not going to make assumptions about when something is going to happen. Um, we're not going to engage in uncontrolled prophecy. I, I, I should never hear anyone say, I just can't stop myself from prophesying. Well, yes, you can. 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Which means, yes, you can control. 
So, you know, we don't just, we're not just going to um, you know, start spurting this out. Again, that sort of goes more to this idea of we need to have it controlled and orderly, okay? We don't prophesy to draw attention to ourselves, right? There's no look at me, I'm special because I'm getting this word from God. Those words should always be given in the utmost of humility, right? We should be humble and honored that God is using us as a means to deliver this word to somebody else. And it's not because you're, you're special. Because in that sense, we're all special uh, before God. If you give someone, and this again is privately, a word that has some sort of a negative connotation to it, it should never be given without a way to avert it. So in other words, if you're getting a negative for somebody, then there should be something along the lines of, but if you repent or confess, you know, and that was true. If you look again, I've been in Jeremiah recently, so that's probably the best example I have. You know, he kept saying, if you'll just repent and turn, then God would avert this disaster that's coming. But of course, the people kept saying, nah, not going to do that. We don't believe you. We're just going to throw you in prison and let you rot there. Uh, and henceforth, King Nebuchadnezzar came along. Um, this kind of goes without saying. We don't want to speak any kind of word without clarity. So in other words, we don't need to be mystical or overly cryptic in what we're saying. Just say what you, know, you sense the Lord uh, is giving you. You definitely don't want to give a word to someone if you're angry or you have some sort of strong negative emotional feelings towards them. That's certainly going to color the word that you have. Um, we're not going to use prophecy as a platform uh, to validate personal doctrines or beliefs. Right? That's just, we don't want to get into that. That's not the, the time or the place for it. I don't think anybody here does this but I have heard this before. You, you do not have to speak in King James English when you give a word of prophecy. <laughs> you just don't have to do that. It'll be good if you uh, just speak normally, naturally supernatural, remember? Um, I think this is maybe one of the most important things of all. I think we need, as, as those who are going to try to flow in this gift, we need to acknowledge when we're wrong. And I think that's a real flaw sometimes, and I think that's one of the things that turns people away from the prophetic. I mean, there's lots of folks, especially if you look at blogs and websites and get emails, you know, these uh, famous, if you will, prophets that everybody sort of knows. You know, we'll give these prophecies at the beginning of the year. This is a prophecy for 2019. But nobody ever goes back, I shouldn't say nobody, I would say most don't ever go back and go, I really blew that. About 10% of what I said actually happened in 2019, and so I must not have been hearing God, and I'm sorry. You know, we need, we don't, we need to do that, right? If we're wrong, we need to own up to it, accept it. And the thing is, we're not, you know, that's okay, it's we, we want to create an environment here where it's okay to be wrong. 
We want people to step out and to try and, and, and get better in these gifts. And so you just have to acknowledge right up front, you're probably going to be wrong. At first, maybe more often than not. And hopefully they'll be in small things, but nonetheless, I think you know, we have to have that attitude of humility to be able to say, I missed it. That was me, that wasn't God, I'm sorry. You know. And if we're following these guidelines, we shouldn't really have done any damage even though we were wrong, you know, because we're not doing some of these other things. Um, during the service, and, and we really invite people to give prophetic words at any point, if you believe that you have a word that is for the church, then you just need to come to somebody, myself, John, Andre, and, and say, here's what I think I hear the Lord saying. And we will then guide you as to whether or not it's okay to, to come forth and, and speak. Um, I've only given a total green light to one person, I think, in the entire history of this church, and that is Mary, who's sitting over there. Because Mary has a track record. Mary has a track record of being right. And um, although I will say she continues to always ask me anyway, even though she probably knows I'll say yes, but I appreciate the fact that she's modeling the behavior that we really want everybody else to abide by as well. Um, and so we just ask that you come and you give that to us so we can help you sort of discern. Because oftentimes it may not be that your word is not accurate, it may just not be the time for it. Remember, we talked about timing. And it may be that it's, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to ask you to sit on that for a while. You know, and if, it's, if it comes back, uh, then, then maybe that's the time for it. If it doesn't, you also need to spend time discerning, is this a word that's really for me? Or is this a word for everybody? Amen. And I have asked folks on a number of occasions who've come up, and I said, all right, well, here's what I want you to do. Go back to your seat and pray about it for a little bit. And if you still really believe it's from God, then you just come right back up. And if not, then uh, we'll know that maybe it's for you. And, and I've had both things happen, where someone didn't come back up and where someone did. And, and that's perfectly okay. Just a quick word on well, how, how, how could I get better at giving words? If you want to, if you want to be someone who gets words and able are able to give prophetic words, well, what do you do? Let's say Harvey, if you wanted to get better at golf, what do you do? Practice. There you go. All right, you go to the driving range. You get to uh, the the course ahead of time, and you practice putting, and you do all those things. It's no different with this. You should practice getting these words. I would say this. If you go to a restaurant, ask God to give you a word for somebody in that restaurant. Every time you go, say, Lord, give me a word for somebody here. And then you give that word to them, and you gauge their response. And if they're like, oh my Lord, how did you know that? Well, then you definitely heard from God. <laughs> um, so it's a matter of, of practicing. You could try to prophesy your day. Start in the morning and say, okay, Lord, tell, what's my day going to look like today? See what he says. 
You can team up with a friend and practice. There's all those things. Uh, just a few quick words now on um, when you are given a word. If someone comes up to you and gives you a word of prophecy or a word of, of knowledge. First and foremost, the word that you receive should never violate the scriptures. Okay, so that's most important. That anything that you're told should never violate anything that is in the scriptures. And if it does, then it's definitely not uh, from God. The word that you receive should be in, in agreement with the heart of the Father. So if we understand the heart of God as being for us, of being full of love, then that the word that is given should also never violate that relationship and that sense or feeling. Um, the word that you receive should bear witness uh, to your own heart. So in other words, if you get, if someone tells you something and you just have got this weird feeling about it, that, that there's a dissonance to it, that you can't, um, and I'm not talking about a word that's just different from what you expected. I'm just talking about something where you sort of feel internally like, ah, this is just not, you know, this may be scriptural, but it's not lining up with the way I feel. I just, I feel weird about this then that's clearly a time when you need to definitely be seeking God uh, and, and find out what's going on there. See, the fruit of a prophetic word ought to be that the person is brought closer to God and in, in, a, in more of a relationship with God, not pushed away. Okay. I think if you receive a word, uh, I would strongly encourage you to, to write it down as soon as you, as soon as you can. I mean, take take an offering envelope, take a connection card, take whatever is handy uh, and write it down so that you then really can go back and look at it and pray over it and understand it. Or if you have nothing here, then you know as soon as you get home, try to write down as much of it as you can remember uh, so that you have, first of all, that you have a record of it. Because if it's a word that is going to occur sometime in the future, you probably might forget but if you've got that and you just put it in your Bible where you can look at it periodically, um, then you have a better chance of seeing, that, seeing it actually happen. And then finally, sort of what overrides all of this is, is really seek God's guidance you know, in terms of what this means. Because um, we don't always understand right then and there. Um, I've often said this, but I'm a processor. I mean, that's kind of how I work mentally. I will, I'll watch a presentation, and odds are that I won't have a lot of questions right immediately following the presentation. Now, not everybody works this way, but that's just how I have found that I work. My questions pop up the next day. <laughs> of course, when it's too late to ask the presenter, what you know, but nonetheless, I'll. I, it takes that time for me to just to kind of think about it and, and process through my mind. And then I start to then really be able to dissect what I've, what I've heard. Um, and so I think it's important to do that with these prophetic words. You know, is to just sit with them. Ask God, you know, what are you trying, what do you, what do you want to tell me through this? What, what am I supposed to be doing as a result of this? So... Those are just some guidelines uh, that we want to
want to follow. And as I say, I am I, the part of the introduction that was not a falsehood or a trap was that I am definitely in, in, in favor. I do want this to be a prophetically minded church, a church that operates in those giftings. And uh, because they're such powerful tools to advance the kingdom, right? That's why it's important to practice these outside of the church. While they're valuable for building up the body, you know, in here, they perhaps are even more valuable in adding to the body out there. Right? Because if you walk up, you know, if you're in a restaurant, you say, Lord, give me a word for somebody here, and then the Lord seems to highlight a person to you. And you go up, and you, you could use an introduction like this. Because this is the awkward part, right? You know, okay, how do I approach someone? You could just say, hey, excuse me, um, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and sometimes he tells me things, and I believe that what he uh, said to me for you is thus. You know, and you just say that you're dealing with a particularly stressful situation in your life and that he just wants you to know that he is there with you and uh, is going to walk through you with this. And, you know, if they look at you and it's like, oh, how did you know? You know, then you can tell them. You can tell them about Jesus. It's the model, in large measure, that we see throughout the, the book of Acts, right? These expressions of power then followed by a proclamation of the gospel. The two should work together, right? Not be independent of one another. Uh, so, that said, Harry, you want to come up? I want to make room um, on Sundays for um, testimonies of people who, you know, have had some sort of a healing, and it could be a physical healing, or it could be spiritual or emotional healing. Um, and so we want to provide an opportunity because as we've said uh, on occasions before, it's those sorts of things that can really build faith. And oftentimes when somebody gives a testimony of something, that very issue is being dealt with in somebody else. So Harry had mentioned that she had a pretty significant healing, I think, on Friday. So I will let you speak. This is a big one for me. Remember, was it two or three weeks ago when the spirit fell and when everybody gave their testimony and people fell out and they were shaken and stuff? I felt tremendous pain. And it was not like a special God touch. I'd been there before many times, but I kind of let it out here. And I was not happy that Sunday. I was kind of like, God, you've touched everyone else, but I'm just back in that place of pain, and I'm really disappointed. Happy for the church, happy the spirit dropped, but I felt left out. And when I left here, I felt gutted. And that feeling stayed with me for a long time. Um, nothing new, but it just... God faced me up to it and did not lift it. So I had gotten Shelly to pray for me, and she said to ask the Lord um, for words. And what God told me is, quiet your mind. So I was just trying to do that. 
came to Holy Spirit night Friday night and I didn't want to come but I did because I wanted to honor John and people were getting words uh, Rich's back was healed and I'm sitting there feeling lost and alone and separate because as much as I have tried and y'all have heard this before you know it's an ongoing thing I never feel quite a part of things I always feel kind of separate uh, I see you guys around me talking about family and I don't quite feel like I'm family but Friday night um, in a really weak place at the end of the night when everybody's ready to go home I said can y'all pray for one more and of course they did I was crying it was snotty and I don't know what happened I didn't see it but uh, Donna was praying for me and John was praying for me and something left me I believe that the orphan spirit left me that I have been trying to let go of for years I couldn't do it and God had to it's his timing you would think I'd be jumping with joy and I am happy but what I'm finding now is that God has an open place in me that he's going to fill I don't know who I am I don't know what's gonna happen but I know he's gonna fill it and I'm not gonna jump around and act all something or whatever so everybody will think I'm wonderful or God's wonderful or whatever it's all about being genuine with him but this time it feels real it's different I'm different and even though I don't look like I'm all that happy and joyous trust me I feel so much better and so God is good persevere he will not leave you out anybody else that, and I want to I want to be very specific here if you received any sort of a healing uh, specifically and would like to share about that now would be your opportunity okay While Harry was speaking, John may have seen, came up, and he, he mentioned something that I thought uh, definitely should be said. And, uh, and that is, feedback is really important because we're a family that's, that's trying to do this, and especially on a Sunday when we're with each other or if we're in a small group, we're doing this. Giving somebody feedback, whether a word was accurate or inaccurate, is really important because it helps that person know, okay, am I, am I hearing correctly, you know, is, or, or how correctly am I hearing, and that sort of thing. So in, I, I really want to encourage you to give folks feedback. You know, if someone gives you something and it comes to pass, make it a point to go back and say, hey, that word you gave me, man, it was right on. You know, it, it, it played out just like you said, or, I would also encourage you to have a little bit more difficult conversation, which is, well, that word you gave me, not so much. Um, and this is why, you know, and I stressed this before, if we're going to do this, and if we're going to do it well, then we have got to all be willing to give and receive a lot of grace. Okay? 
because being we want someone who has um, when we go back to somebody and say that you got this wrong it should be done with a lot of graciousness with grace just as when you are on the receiving end of a correction like that there needs to be a lot of grace right this is this just needs to be covered swimming in God's grace if we're going to really learn to do this and to do it well and I think if we if we can achieve that then um, we will be maybe even become known you know as a church that really flows very accurately in this gift um, however not wildly <laughs> all right I'm teaching you not to trust everything I say, which most of you probably already figured out long ago. <laughs> Do you guys want to come on up? So we've sort of been referring to this, you know, kind of this final segment of our service as uh, a time of encountering God, and I've decided, I think, to rename it since we've sort of gotten focused on this in, in recent weeks, I think we're going to call this kind of our there is more time. <laughs> this is a time for the more, right, of God. And so if I could have some folks who have been, um, have been through the School of Kingdom Ministry and who are, um, have learned um, our prayer technique to come make yourselves available for, uh, for prayer, um, and, and it's sort of, it's whatever, um, whatever you need prayer for. If you just want to hear from God more, love to pray for you for that. If you need healing in some respects, we would love to pray for you for that. Um, you know, as we have seen happen here over the last several weeks, God shows up. God shows up when we pray. And so... Um, Take advantage of that. So if you would turn the lights off. I'm going to uh, sort of just pray a, uh, a dismissal blessing on us so that if um, you need to go, you can. But strongly encourage you to stay um, because God has something more for all of us. And so um, stay as long as you like. If you just want to sit Quietly worship, quietly talk to God. Chip and the team are going to play and uh, provide some music for us to worship too. So Lord, I just give you thanks and praise that you have entrusted us enough to have prophecy be one of the gifts that you give us. And Father, I pray as well that we would be very, very good stewards of that gift. That we would use it appropriately and in the manner in which you intended. Give us all an abundance of your grace with which to minister to people. That, we, that 
you would give us your love for others so that we might be as effective as possible when we, when we minister to them. I pray that you would bless everyone here. I pray for an increase in, in a prophetic anointing among all of those who are here today. I pray especially that they will get words for people when they're not here. On the job, in a restaurant, the mall. And as always, I pray that you would give us the boldness to actually go forth and give that word to someone. Because getting it is maybe only half the equation. So Father, I just ask your blessings upon all of these, your people, as they leave this place today that they would encounter you in other people throughout their week. And that they would come back on Sunday and, and desire to share those kinds of testimonies. So we give you thanks and praise, Lord God, in this and in all things. And ask this prayer now, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.